pray with me? Father, glory and all might, all powers do you. Father, may the way that we study your word reflect hearts that truly believe that about you. Father, it's one thing to say it, but to sing it. That you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are mighty, that you are wonderful. Father, if we really believe it, if we really believe that you are who you say you are, then we will take seriously what you say. And Father, we find what you have said and continue to say in the Bible, in the word that you have given to us. So Father, as we come to your word, Help us to come with hearts that truly honor and stand in awe of you, of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians. Don't turn there. Ephesians. If you want to be turning somewhere, you can turn to Psalms. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 4, we find these words. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I'm going to read that one more time. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's a verse that I have memorized, um, not because I obey that verse well, but because it's a verse that I need to obey well. It's a verse that I need to be reminded of constantly, uh, especially in my role as a father. We learn a lot in that verse, and we're not going to study that verse today. But we're going to talk about some application of that verse that we find in the book of Psalms. One more time. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If I could give you a a really mini sermon, not mini like mini sermons, but a mini sermon um, uh, on that on that verse, we could say that there is a corrective and there's a formative type of discipline and instruction that fathers are to lead the way in with their children. The corrective type is what you think of, especially when you think of the word discipline. You did something wrong, and now you're going to be disciplined for it. Um, That's the corrective. That's not what you're supposed to do, and so I need to correct you. But there's a formative uh, type of discipline and instruction, and it's a a teaching. This is how you are to live. This is who you are. This is who God has created you to be, And, and, and it's that formative type of bringing your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord that I want us to think about today. What does this formative discipline and instruction look like? If I could boil that down into into three words or phrases, I would say it, it, it looks like Bible study, it looks like prayer, and it looks like singing. Bible study, prayer, and singing. In the home, fathers, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I ask a question of myself. How? How do I bring my children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? We spent a lot of time thinking about it, but if I could narrow it down to what are three things that I can do with my kids, with my children, that would greatly assist, that would greatly help in being obedient to this command that God has given to fathers, it would be spend time reading and studying the Bible with my family, spend time praying with my family, and spend time singing with my family. Now, not everyone has children or, or at least children in the home. And so as we consider Psalm chapter 145 and singing God's glory to my family, I want you to think about 
how this truth, how these truths that we're going to talk about applies to you where you're at in your life, in your stage of life. Because even if you don't have children living in your home with you, God has called all of us who are adults to pour into the next generation. So no one can say, well, I don't have kids living in my home, so this doesn't apply to me. Wrong. Let's go ahead and throw that out the window. You can't go to sleep, okay, on me. <laughs> you can't use that excuse to go to sleep. Uh, you might find another excuse, but you can't use that one. Uh, we are all called to pour into the next generation, as we're going to see in Psalm chapter 145. But I am going to speak specifically today in the context of fathers with our children, then you apply that to grandchildren, nieces, nephews, friends uh, who have children, children in our church, as you are here in our church, uh, as, as, as someone that they are looking up to, you apply this to your own context. Psalm chapter 145, we find this beautiful psalm that speaks to us grand and glorious things about God. And yet there are a couple of words that as I read this psalm, really jumped out at me. And as we look at it, I think this psalm will lead us to sing God's glory to our family. For me, for me to say, I must sing God's glory to my family and for you to say that as well. Let's read Psalm chapter 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name Forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of God. This is a psalm. It's a song of praise written by King David, as you can see there um, in the title of Psalm chapter 145. In fact, if we were to look at this in the Hebrew language, we would see an interesting uh, literary feature. Every verse of this psalm starts with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's, a, it's an acronym, and so or not an acronym, an acrostic. I knew I was going to say that wrong. I don't know my, my literature words very good, English words. It's an, an acrostic. I'm going to say it again. Let me say it one more time. Maybe I'll get in mind. Acrostic. All right, so every word starts with a particular letter, uh, excuse me, every verse, and each verse starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's hard for us to see it in our English translations, but that was, a, that was a unique way of writing that would actually have facilitated memorization. All right, Because if you can't remember what the next verse is, well, I know it starts with the next letter of the alphabet. And so that gives me a clue. All right, and So just to give you a little information about uh, this psalm and how it is written. It's a psalm of praise. Beautiful. And as we read this, we find these words, and these words have just jumped out at me. In verse 4, one generation 
shall commend your works to another. Let me say that again. One generation shall commend your works to another. If you skip down to verse 12, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds. Now, last week we talked about singing God's glory to ourselves, that we need to sing about how glorious God is to ourselves so that we will constantly be reminded of who God is and how awesome and mighty He is. And we talked about two categories of that, His, his character and His works. And we're going to see some, some more things about God's character in this psalm, and we're going to see a whole lot more about His works in this psalm. But what I want you to notice is that the audience of who we are to sing these things to is the next generation. It is our children. This psalm is calling us to sing the glories of God to those God has entrusted into our care, specifically the next generation. One generation shall commend your works to another. We must proclaim the greatness of God to the next generation through songs of praise. We must do that. Now, this psalm is primarily about God, just like all of God's word is about God. And primarily, this psalm is about the greatness of our God. God is great. His greatness must be declared. And in this psalm, it says that we are to declare it through song. You can see that in verse 7. Shall sing aloud of your righteousness. So God is great. His greatness must be declared through song. And his greatness must be declared through song to the next generation. That's what this Psalm chapter 145 is about. From one generation to another. If I could just, just, if I could give you just two sentences, and then if you do end up falling asleep, just remember these two sentences, okay? Our children need to hear us praise God for his greatness and Our children need to hear us proclaim to them that God is great. Our children need to hear us praising God. I don't mean speaking to them. I mean they need to hear us open our mouths and sing and speak about the glories of God. They need to hear us talk about that. They need to hear it come out of our mouths. Yes, on a Sunday morning for sure. But also, every other day of the week, they need to hear, as verse 7 says, they need to hear pouring forth from our mouths the fame of the abundant goodness of God. Pouring forth. Not sprinkling forth. Not just a little word of praise here or there. But our children need to hear the praise of God Pouring forth from our mouth, but not just hearing us praise God. We must also declare to them, proclaim to them that God is great. Fathers, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What does that look like? It means praising God in front of them and proclaiming God to them. His glory and his greatness. Let me give you five things that we ought to sing about the greatness of God. Number one, we ought to sing of the greatness of God's, you ready? Greatness. That's not a typo. That's not a mistake. We are to sing of the greatness of God's greatness. That's how great God is. God's so great that we have to talk about how great his greatness is. His greatness is great. That's how great he is. And we must talk about it. Notice verses one through three. I will extol you. That means I will lift you up, my God and king, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And they catch this last phrase. And his greatness is unsearchable. That is the psalmist saying, God, you are great. And I don't even know how great you are because you're so great. I can never plumb the depths of your greatness. I can never reach the heights of your greatness. It is unsearchable. But even though it is unsearchable, we are to search it out. We are to spend our lives learning about how great God is. And when we breathe our last breath and we step into his glory, then we will realize maybe for the very first time in our lives, just how little we know about God. We'll say, God, I served you and I I learned about your greatness all of my life. And now I'm standing in your presence and you're you're far greater than I than I ever could have thought or imagined. 
God's greatness is unsearchable. We're to spend our lives searching out that greatness. Notice in verse 1 that His greatness is forever. And bless your name forever and ever and ever. We see that foreverness continue into verse 2. We see it in the psalm in verse 21. Bless His holy name forever and ever. His greatness is forever. Notice verse 2. His greatness is constant. Every day I will praise you. It's not, it's not just that God is occasionally worthy of praise. Occasionally great forever. Like in three days he might be great. And then in ten days he might be great. And then the next day he might be great. And then twenty days from then he might be great. And that goes on and on forever. It's a constant greatness forever and ever and ever. There is never a time when God is not great. And we must proclaim that greatness. We must sing of that greatness. His greatness is forever. It is constant. And as we said in verse 3, it is unsearchable. I think about the solar system. I think I've told you all this before. I love to look up at the sky, but I don't know a whole lot about the solar system. It's just something I never I never got into a whole lot. There were other things in science class that I enjoyed learning about. Solar system just wasn't one of those things, even though I love to look at pictures of it. Right? I, I don't really want to read about it, but I love to look at a picture book about the solar system. And, and just think about how many thousands of years humankind has been searching out the solar system. And how far have we made it? Not very far. In the grand scheme of things, we may have walked an inch into outer space. Uh, that's, that's the scale. In a scale model, we would have made it an inch into millions and millions of miles worth of outer space. We like to talk about how, how, how great our space explorations are. And I'm not, not saying they aren't. I, I think it's amazing that we could put somebody on the moon. That just... That just blows my mind. I don't even have a compartment in my mind to understand what that must be like to stand on the moon and look back at the earth. That's crazy. But, you know, that 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 might have been in our minds a, a, a large step for mankind. But that was that was a tiny millimeter of a step compared to God. And so when I think about searching out the greatness of God, it's kind of like that. I can spend my whole life searching out the greatness of God and how I might make it to the moon. I might make it to the moon. And that yet there's so much more out there. But those greatness is unsearchable. We are compelled and even called to search it out. And that's where the psalmist goes next. Not only do we sing of the greatness of God's greatness, we sing of the greatness of God's works. So we, so we say, God, you are so great that I, can, I, I really can never wrap my mind around how great you are. And yet I can think of specific things that you have done that are great. Notice the focus on the works here in verses 4 through 7. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Notice how the psalmist describes the works of God. They are mighty. They are wondrous. They are awesome. Your children hear you talking about the wondrous, mighty, awesome acts of God. Or do they only hear you complain about Him when you don't get your way? Can you just think through history for a few minutes? Go back to creation and think about all the mighty, wondrous, awesome acts, deeds, works of our great God. I mean, go back to Genesis chapter 1. Let there be light. And there is light. A wondrous work of God. Let us make man in our image. In our image, let us make them male and female. A wondrous work of God. Blood covering the entire globe, wiping away everyone except for one man and his family who were rescued. A mighty, awesome work of God. All the peoples of the earth gathering together in one place in disobedience to God's command to scatter and God confusing their language and in that moment making many nations. A mighty, incredible work of God. 
Then out of all of those nations, God looking down and calling one man. And promising to give him a land to build him into a nation and then to bless all of the families of the earth through him, even though he didn't have a child and couldn't have a child and his wife couldn't have a child and they were too old to have a child. And they had a child, a marvelous, wondrous work of God. Think about a man in Egypt having been sold there into slavery. Forgotten by these people who were supposed to be God's people. And God, orchestrating events, had him there to preserve his people from famine so that that people could become what he had promised to that man named Abraham, a great nation, a mighty work of God. Think about those people there in slavery. A million of them crying out to God for help and God raising up a man who should have been murdered by Pharaoh. But his life was spared. Put in a little basket. Standing before a holy God in a burning bush. Walking into Pharaoh's court saying, let my people go. And Pharaoh saying no. And God saying yes. A mighty work of God. Walking across a sea on dry ground. Wandering around in a wilderness. With food and water. Walking into a, a land and conquering it. Having a king like David sitting on the throne. Mighty works of God. And then rebellion after rebellion after rebellion after rebellion. Rebelling against the promise maker. But the promise maker keeping his promises to his people. Till all of a sudden, one night, this little baby cries out. And the angels saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And there in that manger, God becoming human, a mighty work of God. And there on a cross. That baby having become a man. Crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as he breathed his last saying, it is finished. A mighty, a mighty, a mighty wondrous work of God. A small group of people gathered in an upper room. Scared for their lives. Infused with the power of the Holy Spirit. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And their number growing daily. And their number spreading daily. Until here we are on the other side of the planet. Worshipping the same God that that little group of scared people were preaching. A mighty work of God. And then to think one day a trumpet will sound. And we will, we will see Christ Coming again, the dead in Christ will rise and we will reign with him forever and ever and ever. A people who had run from his goodness, who had run from his fame, a people who had tried to make themselves famous in his place. And he had done everything to rescue them and bring them back into his kingdom. There we are around his throne with all creation, worshiping forever and ever and ever a mighty work of God. Amen. Have you told someone that? Have you told your children that? Have you told your grandchildren that? Have you sung to them the greatness of God's works? If we don't share that with them, if we don't sing that with them to them, who is going to? Not our world. Our world will sing of the greatness of their own works. But we sing to them the greatness of God's works. One category of God's works that gets highlighted in verses 8 through 9 is His compassion. And so we sing not only of the greatness of God's greatness and the greatness of His work, but notice what gets highlighted in verses 8 through 9. It is the greatness of His compassion. 
The Lord is greatness and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. and His mercy is over all that He has made. We need to hear this message. Our children need to hear this message. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we just spoke about. That though we are lost in our sin, God still loves us. My children need to know that. They need to know that God is righteous in verse 7, which means that He doesn't overlook their sin, but they also need to know that He is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that He is good to all and His mercy is over all that He has made. They need to know that they are sinners. You might have to turn me down because I'm about to blow these speakers down. They need to know that they are sinners before a righteous God. But at the same time, they need to know that God loves them so much that He sent His Son to die on a cross. And they need to hear me sing that to them and with them. One of my favorite songs to sing with the children that God has blessed me with. Are you washed in the blood? Are you washed in the blood? I love singing that with them. You know why I love singing that with them? Because at this point in their lives, they're not washed in the blood. The answer to that question for them is no. They haven't been washed in the blood. But I want to keep singing that song over and over and over so that one day, as God does what only He can do, impress His Word into their hearts and convicts them of their sin, they will say, no, I am not. And because of that, I am lost. But I know God loves me. Because I wouldn't be singing about, are you washed in the blood, if He hadn't sent His Son to bleed and die for me. And so I want my answer to that question to be yes. I want to be washed in the blood. And so we sing that over and over and over and over. And I pray for the day when their answer to that question is yes. I have been washed in the blood. We sing of the greatness of God's compassion. We highlight that to our children. That He loves them. His love cost His Son His life. Seeing of the greatness of God's compassion. But notice verses 10 through 13. The fourth thing that we sing of the greatness of is the greatness of God's kingdom. We sing of the greatness of God's kingdom. The psalmist devotes several verses to this theme of the kingliness of God and to his kingdom. In fact, if you notice back up in verse 1, he started the psalm out this way I will extol you, my God and King. From the very beginning of this psalm, and what we're to declare from one generation to the next is that God is the king. And so he spends several verses of the song talking about his kingdom. All your work shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Why do we need to sing and speak of the kingdom of God? It's because we are rebels against the king. We come into this world rebelling against the king. We do exactly what Satan has done. We do exactly what Adam and Eve did. We do exactly what every single human except for Jesus Christ has done from the beginning. We reject God as our king. And we will spend our lives building our own little kingdoms where we get to be the kings and queens of our own little kingdoms where I get to make the rules for my life, where I bow down to no one except myself and I serve me and only me. I work for my own pleasure. I work for my own benefit. And if I die as the king of the kingdom that I built, 
I die in separation from the King. And I die eternally rejected from His kingdom. And every child comes into the world that way. We try to build our own little kingdoms. Therefore, your children need to know that they are not kings and queens. The world does not revolve around them. They need to know that they are not the king. Your kids need to know that God is the king. That He has the dominion in verse 13. That means He is the ruler. He is in charge. And that His kingdom is everlasting. We can try all we want to overthrow the kingdom of God and we never, ever will. Look at Satan. He's been trying and trying and trying for generation after generation after generation. And we know what the end holds for him. Revelation says that Satan is bound up and he is cast into the lake of fire, him and his demons forever and ever and ever. Trying to build your own kingdom never, ever works. Our children need to know that. They need to hear us sing of the kingdom of God. They need to hear us submit in our songs to God as our king. But how in the world will they ever stop building their own kingdoms And submit to God as king and live in their kingdoms if you and I are busy spending our times building our own kingdoms and not submitting in our own lives to God as our king. Perhaps you're here today and you are spending your life building your own little kingdom. You may think it's a big kingdom. And if you're a big king and you're a you're a big queen and you have all kinds of power and you, you're in charge and you can call the shots. But that's a little kingdom. It's so small. It's so minuscule. It will not last. And we need to be reminded ourselves and we must teach our children that there is something bigger than us. And His name is Yahweh God. And He is sovereign. He is in control. He has the power. And we must submit to His authority and stop trying to steal His glory and His rule. Whatever kingdoms we build will eventually crumble. You want to do something good for your children? You want to to help them start out on the right foot in life? Don't we want to do that? If 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 you love your kids, you want to do that. If you don't want to do that, if you don't want to help them start out on the right foot in life, I'm sorry, you don't love your kids, all right? I mean, that's just, I want want to help them start out on the right foot. You know, the best foot I can have them start out on is a foot that is surrendered. There's a step that is surrendered, a life that is surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords so that they will live their lives for His glory and not their own. Why not? Why not be a part of a kingdom that lasts forever and ever and ever? Why trade that in for something so small? We gotta, we gotta, we gotta get get out of this mentality where where everything revolves around me. And we struggle with that. If you if you're sitting there today saying, "Well, I don't struggle with that," you're wrong. We all do. It's the heart of sinfulness. It's a focus on self. The selfishness, pride is the center of all sin. We all struggle with that. In a moment of pride and arrogance, when I think that, whoo, I'm the big shot. I really got it going on. I need somebody to sing. Crown Him with many crowns, the Lamb upon His throne. You know what just started happening? We all started shrinking. We got little because we were declaring how big and glorious God is. Children need to know the crown doesn't belong on their heads. It doesn't belong on your head. You're not the king. You're not the queen. 
You may say, I'm the king of this castle, talking about your home. And that's okay from time to time. Make sure they do know that you're the parent. But you're not the king. They need to see you submitting to the king. And they need to hear you calling them to submit to God as king. Finally, we sing of the greatness of God's care. We sing of the greatness of God's care. Here's what's incredible. The psalmist moves from speaking of singing about the glory and the grandeur of the kingdom of God. I mean, notice the just the bigness of verses 10 through 13. I mean, it's this like almost otherworldly experience. The kingdom of God. And then he moves right in to how personal God is. How much He cares for me and for you. And so in the midst of telling my children, you are not the king or you are not the queen. I am not the king. I am not the queen. God is. He is sovereign. He is in charge. We submit to His rule. But let me tell you about how God rules. He rules by caring very deeply for His loyal subjects. He is personally involved in your life. He's not just sitting up on high with his arms crossed with a scowl on his face. Saying, look at all those hoodlums down there. Just running around building their own little kingdoms. They act like they're so big. That's just ridiculous. I'm just going to sit up here and just laugh at them. No. God looks at us. Screwing around building our own little kingdoms. And he says, oh, I love them. I love them and I want to be involved in their lives. So I'm going to do everything it takes to rescue them from their sin. And then walk with them moment by moment, day by day, helping them serve me and my kingdom. Notice verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. God sustains us. We need to sing to our children that God is the one who sustains. When we fall, He raises us up. When we are bowed down, He upholds us. He is our sustainer. Sing that to your children. They don't need to run anywhere else to find someone or something to sustain them. They run to God in those moments where, they see, where it seems like everything is falling apart. They run to God. We must tell them that and we tell them that. Through song, verse 15, God provides. He cares for us by providing the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. I want my children to, to learn and, and, to, and to make good grades and I want them to, to be able to get a job one day or, and be able to provide and, and, as, as God calls them to and whatever that looks like in their lives. But I want them to know that every time they sit down at the table, that is God who's providing that for them. Every time they walk through the door of their home, they don't go, wow, look at this house that I built. Look at this house that my money earned me. They walk through and go, wow, thank you, God, for this roof over my head. When they look at the friends that God provides them with, I don't want them to go, man, I must be pretty popular. Look at these good friends that God has, that, 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 I, that I've accumulated for myself. I want them to go, wow. God, you are so good that you have provided companions for me in this life. Good friends. That's how I want them to view the things that they have that they are blessed with in this life. To know that God has provided that for them. He cares for them and sustaining them and providing for them. In verse 16, that he satisfies them. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Oh, we could spend a lot of time on that verse, but we don't have the time to. You and I know from our own lives. And we know this. We look at our, our children, our youth. Our hearts are crying for satisfaction in life. We're longing for something to satisfy us. And we will run from this person to that person. From this fad to that fad. Looking for satisfaction in life. And there is only one who can satisfy us. And His name is Jesus. We must sing that 
We must proclaim that to our children so they run to Him for satisfaction and not to anyone or anything else. Verse 18, He cares for us by comforting us. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Verse 19, He is, he is caring for us and that He saves us. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. In verse 20, He cares for us by protecting us. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. That doesn't mean we don't ever get sick. That doesn't mean bad things don't happen to us. But that means God preserves us to the end. He will see His children through into His kingdom. The enemy will not win. Notice how God cares. The world doesn't care for your child. The world is controlled by Satan. Satan doesn't care for you or your children or your grandchildren. There is one who cares. and He is the most high God. Here's the thing. Parents, I know you care for your children. I care for my children. But do you know this? That as much as you love and care for them, there is one who loves and cares for them so much better than you do. And so much better than I do. I love my children, but God loves them more. You say, well, don't you love your children as much as you possibly could? I do. I do. But my love falls far short of the love that God has for them. My care for them. I would do anything for them to sustain them. To save them. To protect them. To satisfy them. But I can't do it all. What your children need even more than you. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. And they need us to sing. You say, what does the world all this singing have to do? I thought we were, this whole thing is about singing and we've just been talking about raising our children. Let me go back to what I said at the very beginning. Fathers, fathers, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. By the way, I'm leaving out half of that verse, okay? The first part says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Okay, I'm not, not saying that because it's not important. It is very important. And I need to hear that very often. But I just want to focus on that last time. Fathers, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What does that look like? Well, it looks like opening up your Bible with your children and reading it. How in the world can we bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord when this is closed? And I don't just mean on Sunday morning. I mean every day. I mean throughout the week. How can we bring our children up to know the greatness of God if we don't open up His Word with them and read to them? Fathers. God has designed us a very unique way. And while we are to memorize God's Word, we should do that. We should do that much more than we do. It's so much easier to remember something when it's got music to it. Isn't that right? It's so much easier to remember words when they are words of a song how it worked even when I was in school. Took Spanish in high school. You know how we learned some of what we had to learn? We sung it. It was not fun sitting in class and the teacher was making us sing. I didn't I didn't particularly like it. And we had to sing. We had to sing out loud. And it was embarrassing. But do you know what? I remember the Spanish that I sung. I don't remember much else from Spanish class, but I remember what we sung. And so, parents, if we have been called to instill in our children the greatness and the glories of God, one of the best ways that we can do that so that they remember is by singing it. And I think that's one reason why in this song we are called to sing aloud in verse 7. And the ones that we are declaring to is the next generation. In fact, we'll look at this some next week, but in the New Testament, in Colossians, the command to sing is coupled 
with letting the word dwell in us richly. We cannot sing the glories of God unless God's word is dwelling in us. Let me give you, let me give you just a minute of what this looks like in my life and my family. And then one word of closing. I just want to, I, I don't want you to walk out going, man, that's, I don't know how to do that. Okay, you were supposed to do that. What does that look like? Don't overthink it. I don't have this all figured out. Some of you probably do a way better job than I do. But here's what this looks like in my family. It looks like us in the evenings before bed. Reading. The Bible. Praying. And singing. That's what it looks like. We read a little bit. My girls are pretty little, so it's. Not a long attention span, but we do. We read. We pray. And I pray for them. And I pray God's glory in front of them. And I pray for their salvation out loud so they can hear me saying, God, I pray that one day you will save and I name them by name from their sins. I pray that they will be rescued because right now they're lost in their sin. And then we sing a song. And sometimes as Jesus loves me, Sometimes it's, sometimes it's, what can wash away my sin? Sometimes it's holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord Almighty. Sometimes it's that song that we learned last month, His mercy is more. Sometimes it's one of my favorites in Christ alone. But we sing a song. I want them to be overwhelmed with the greatness of God. One writer said this about Psalm chapter 145. Psalm 145. Well, let me stop for a second. I always want to be real with you. I don't ever want to come across as like I've got this all together. There are nights we don't, there are days we don't do that. Our lives are busy. It's hard. Don't walk out of here going, well, there's no way I could do that every single night or every single morning. And so I might as well not try it all. Do it as much as you can. Be disciplined in it. But I know, I know sometimes it's not, that doesn't happen. I'm not calling us to, to, to do this perfect thing. Life isn't perfect. It's messy. Listen, sometimes they're screaming while I'm doing it. Okay? But we still do it anyways. Right? I got a, I got a video somewhere on somebody's phone somewhere. And, 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 or maybe it's just still pictures. And oh, It is a still picture. I'll have to show it to you one day. And I'm sitting on the couch, and I've got our Bible story book open, and, and I'm sitting there, and my, who's now a four-year-old, but at that time she was two or three, she was like this high airborne off the couch. Like literally, I'm sitting there reading, focused, and she's, her, her rear end is about right here at my head height. Because she was literally jumping up in the air and landing on the couch and jumping and landing on the couch. And we were reading the Bible, and she did that over and over and over. You know what? And those of you who know children and work with children, she was listening. She was listening to those stories. She could answer questions right after I was done. It's not this, it's not this everybody's gathered around the fire singing kumbaya and everything's all perfect. That's not what it always looks like. But at least do something. Do something because if we don't in our homes, our kids never will. Psalm 145, one writer said, is a defiant song of praise in a world ridden by self-seeking and self-sufficiency. Can I say that one more time? Psalm 145 is a defiant song of praise in a world ridden by self-seeking and self-sufficiency. I could not agree more. One of the best things we can do for our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, our children of our friends when they're over at our homes, the children in our church, the children in our community, is to help them catch a glimpse of the greatness of God so they will be moved away from taking selfies in front of the mirror to standing in awe of the God of the universe to move them away from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. What will be your child's song in times of success? I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. 
But I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. What will be your child's song in times of heartache? It is well, it is well with my soul. What about times of sinful failure. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What will be your child's song in those moments where there's an opportunity to go and share the gospel with people? Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. What will be your child's song in times of doubt? Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. What about in those moments of temptation? In Christ alone will I glory. Oh, I could pride myself in battles won. I've been blessed beyond measure, but it's only by His grace I overcome. What about their life song? Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life. My song. What is your song? What will your kids sing? What will drive them in their lives? We must proclaim the greatness of God to the next generation through songs of praise. So sing God's glory to your family. Father, help us. Help us. Help us, Father. We are weak, we are feeble. We need your help to point ourselves and to point the next generation to your glory. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.